Now, this past Wednesday, Lynn and I celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary, and I'm still blown away that she said yes. <laughs> I mean, I pitched myself and go, I can't believe she said yes. Willing to marry me, willing to leave her home, willing to leave her family, willing to leave sunny, warm South Carolina for cold Kentucky, even though it's the promised land. <laughs> willing to marry me, willing to be a part of my life. Now, when Lynn and I were dating and I was about to ask her to marry me, I knew I needed to ask her this question. Are you willing to be the wife of a pastor? Are you willing to be in ministry wherever that takes us, whatever that looks like? And she was willing. She said yes. Willing to a lifetime journey of seeking God's will. Uh, willing to be a pastor of an itinerant minister. Willing then to move even further away from her home to Missouri where we spent three years. More than willing to come home to Conway for 10 years in ministry. And then willing to leave again to come here 25 years ago to serve here in, South, in Lexington. I've often asked myself, why was Lynn willing to do all of that? And the reality is, is she wasn't doing it for me. She was doing it for the God she loved with all of her heart, mind, and soul. She, she was willing because she loved God more than she loved me. I tell people all the time that you need to look for a wife or a husband who will love you more than they love God more than they love you. Because if they love God more than they love you, then they will love you in a very special way. I'm blessed to be married to a woman who loves God more than she loves me. And Lynn wanted God's best. And then we loved each other. And we wanted to do this together. But none of what I've experienced, none of what we've experienced here in Lexington would have happened if Lynn had not been willing. And I will tell you, it wasn't always easy for her. There were tears and there was pain. Because when we seek to do God's will, it's not always easy. There's always what appears to be a easier way, a simpler way, a less painful way, but it's not always the best way. God wants to give us his best plan. I've been reading an Advent devotional this season by Paul David Tripp. And in his Advent devotional, this, this quote kind of captured me and it helped shape where I want to go today in this message. A willing Savior is born to rescue unwilling people from themselves because there's no other way. A willing Savior born to rescue unwilling people from themselves because there is no other way. In nativity, in Christmas, we remember that we have a God who was unwilling to leave us without hope. Unwilling to leave us lost. Willing to love us. Willing to rescue us. 
God's willingness to love the world is an amazing thing. We sing about it called Amazing Grace. That God's willingness to love the world and save the world. Whenever God made humanity, made Adam and Eve, and they had everything wonderful, perfect, and they chose to rebel against God, to defy his will, to do what they wanted to do, God then set a plan in motion to love the world, to show his love for the world. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God willing to love his people enough to show mercy for their sins, to save them and to rescue them continuously from bondage, from tyranny, and from the messes that they create. I want you to know that today, no matter how bad the mess is that you've created, God is willing to love you. And God is willing to rescue you. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born in that manger, the the prophet Isaiah said this, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. The willingness of God to love his people John 3, 16 and 17 says it this way, for this is how God loved the world. He gave, he was willing to give his one and only son so that everyone, anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. The word of God for the people of God. The willingness of God to save the world was not without pain. God's plan would require that he give his only son to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins because sin, penalty of sin requires a payment and God sent Jesus to be born in that cradle to go to a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. We think about the pain of God and our minds go to the cross where God allowed his son to experience the most horrific pain a human could experience in crucifixion. God was willing to let that happen because he loves you. And you and I are sinners Make no mistake about it. And we need a savior. And as bad as that pain was, I believe there was a pain that was even deeper that our God experienced. 
when Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A time of separation between Jesus and his father. When Jesus took upon himself the terrible weight of our sins, the sins of the world, to be our substitute, to take away our guilt, to suffer our punishment, to face the wrath of his own loving Heavenly Father, even though he had never sinned. From a cradle to a cross. So this Christmas, this nativity, don't underestimate, don't minimize the pain our God was willing to endure for your sins. Don't minimize your sins. Don't minimize the sins of this world because it cost our heavenly father a lot of pain. Then we move to Jesus, Jesus' willingness to rescue the unwilling. If you know his life, his journey, his 33 years here on the earth, he was willing to rescue those who were unwilling to be rescued. And today that same truth carries on. He's willing to rescue those who are unwilling to be rescued. I love Philippians chapter two, one of the greatest passages in all of the scriptures. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. What is nativity? Nativity is God through Jesus giving up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's nativity. From the cradle to the cross. And then what Peter writes in chapter one, verse 19 through 21 but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began, but only recently in nativity was he brought into public view in these last days as a blessing to you. Because of this, your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a powerful word of what God has done for you, done for me, done for the world, that our faith and hope can rest in him alone. Have you thought about what Jesus was willing to do to give up his divine privileges for you and for me? to humble himself, to take on the frailty of humanity, to be born as a baby with all the restrictions and limitations of a baby. I'm preaching on uh, that on Christmas Eve. I, I gotta make sure I don't slip over there because I'm excited about where God's leading that. Called unfinished nativity. God, the, the, you know, your life is not finished yet. God is still working on you. Jesus was born as a baby to show us how to live our lives on the planet. But he was limited. He endured hardship. He was willing to be ridiculed. 
He was willing to fulfill his father's will. He was willing to confront and resist evil. Willing to confront and resist evil. He was willing to serve when he deserved to be served. Willing to be misunderstood and mistreated. Willing to speak the truth. Willing to suffer physical death. Willing to take on our death. Willing to spend three days in a tomb, dead, separated from his heavenly father. Why? To rescue you. To rescue you. To rescue you. Because he loves you. That's the message of nativity. I love Hebrews 12 too. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Will you this nativity keep your eyes on Jesus? Don't be focused on the presence. Don't be focused on the tree. Don't be focused on the decorations. Don't be focused on your list. Keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader and instructor. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Where does the joy come from for Jesus by dying on a cross? I think for the salvation of the world. I think whenever you and I surrender our life to Jesus, it brings joy. In fact, the Bible says when one believes, all the angels in heaven rejoice. There's joy from nativity and crucifixion and resurrection. And now, where is Jesus at? Emmanuel, here with us through the Holy Spirit. But where is he at? He is seated at the place of honor, at the right hand of God. And you know what Jesus is doing according to Scripture in Hebrews and Romans, Romans chapter 8? He is interceding right now for you and me. He, right now he's saying, well, I hope they get that nativity message. You know, I hope they, hope they give their life to, 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 to me today. I hope today's the day. I'm praying for their pain. I'm praying for their problems. Father, you know them. You know what they're going through, Father. Send your help to them. May they speak to you today. The willingness of Jesus to rescue the unwilling. And let's talk for a minute about the, the willingness of Joseph and Mary. The willingness to live into God's purpose. We can see the, the, certainly the example of Jesus. We're called to be like Christ. Christians means to be like Christ. But what about Joseph and Mary? How can we look at their lives and their willingness? Mary, Luke writes about it in Luke 1. For every promise from God shall surely come true, Mary said. I am the Lord's servant. And I am what? Willing to do whatever he wants. What a great prayer. Today, that's my prayer. That's a hard prayer to pray. That's the prayer that Lynn prayed. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want, even if it means following Jeff <laughs> to faraway places like Missouri and Kentucky. Whatever you want, Lord. That was Mary's prayer. May everything you said come true. And then the angel disappeared, willing to be an object of gossip, Willing to be an object of ridicule. Who is going to believe her story about an angel and a virgin birth? Come on now. Willing to take that on. Willing to, to, to endure the, the ridicule and the sneers. Willing to go through the labor of love that Grace Marie sang about. Willing to see her son Jesus suffer on a cross, be crucified. 
Why? Why did she do that? Because she loved God more than she loved Jesus. She loved her heavenly father. She put God first. What did Jesus say? The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. What about Joseph? I love the story in Matthew chapter one from the message version, paraphrase. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. (laughs) How many times do we struggle with the will of God because we don't know what God is up to? He didn't know about that. And Joseph, angry, Sharins, it says, but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. And while he was trying to figure a way out, and there are people here today that are trying to figure a way out of your mess. Man, if I could just do this, this, this. It keeps you awake at night. You, you go through a list. If I could do this, this, and this. If I could change that, that, that. Now, I love what it says here. He was trying to make, figure a way out. And he had a dream. And God's angel spoke in the dream. God wants to speak to somebody here today. Through his word. Maybe through an angel. Maybe through a dream. But God wants to speak to you like he spoke to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will give, she will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, God says, because he will save his people from their sins. And this would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew, for God is with us. And they'll love these words. Then Joseph woke up and what did he do? He did exactly. He was willing to do exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. That's the challenge of nativity. Lord, I'm willing to do exactly what you want me to do. That's hard. Can I get an amen to that? to do exactly what you want me to do. That's my prayer. God, let me do exactly what you want to do. Joseph is a man with a mission. His purpose has been awakened. His potential is going to be realized. He accepts God's plan. And even though he's not responsible for the pregnancy, he's willing to stay and not give Mary up. What a great model for us who want to be husbands, who are husbands. 42 years of wanting to, trying to be a good husband, I can learn from Joseph. Willing to put Mary's name before his own shame. Willing to marry her when no one else would. Willing to abstain from what God created married husband and wives to enjoy. Willing to honor God's wishes. Willing to put God first and marry where she needed to be in the right place willing to trust God's call. And what does all that reveal about Joseph? He was a good man. He was a godly man. And he was full of grace. And where did that grace come from? When God visited him, he experienced the grace of God. The willingness of Mary and Joseph, the willingness of Jesus to come and rescue, the willingness of God to love us, 
Through the years, I've been blessed by Mount Hoy's willingness to receive and share the gift of nativity, our willingness here. We've been blessed to be here all these years, and every Christmas blows me away by what this church does. Over the last couple years, you as a congregation has been willing to receive and share the gift of nativity. We've been a part of helping the last two years take up an Advent offering that, uh, that uh, took on uh, human trafficking through a ministry here in Columbia, Lighthouse for Life. In India, where we bought property as a church to combat human trafficking, to receive the gift of nativity and to share it with the world, a part of the world that's dark, full of pain and feelings of hopelessness. You, you made an impact as a church. And this year, we're doing something a little bit different. You, you've heard about it already, perhaps. We're going to, our Advent offering, today's offering, our special offering today and Christmas Eve and beyond, will go for affordable housing. And I want you to watch this video. We shared it last week. We want to share it again today about you receiving and sharing nativity. Watch this. During this Advent season, we focus on the celebration of Jesus' birth. We focus on his nativity, which is about birth and about hope. The Advent offering here at Mount Horeb goes to meet the needs of those locally and globally. The last couple of years, our focus has been on human trafficking, combating that through Lighthouse for Life here in the Midlands and also in India with our partners there. This year, we're focusing on affordable housing. In Jesus' birth, you remember he had no place to lay his head. In fact, the inn was full, so that's why he was born in a manger. Advent is about providing hope for people. And we believe that affordable housing provides the hope that people need. Most of us here at the church have more house than we need. And I believe God is calling us to provide housing for those who need it the most. Through Circles Lexington County, we have the great privilege of walking alongside some amazing women who are doing the really hard and courageous work of, of creating a different story for their family. And for many of these ladies, their dream is to be homeowners. And so with the, our partnership with Habitat for Humanity and Circles Lexington County and Mount Horeb, we are able to give them the opportunity of pursuing that dream. So the Advent offering this year will provide the financial resources to come alongside women who have um, been approved through Habitat, who have already put in two years worth of work in preparing themselves to be homeowners, and then we get to provide the resources that will ultimately enable them to achieve that dream. To the naked eye, it just looks like a field, but you know, to someone who, you know, a family that has so many hopes and dreams, this is opportunity right oh, here. Like, it sure this is. This is opportunity. Girl, it and is. I'm so excited. It's amazing. So excited. I can just, you know, see the house and see the fence and the kids mm -hmm. playing and just, you know, mm -hmm. happy. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. Well, this will be for my children in the home is a sense of security. They finally would have that blanket to know that they're coming home. It's not someone else's. It's something that they have helped to build, that they can take pride in to their own home. You know, they can love and cherish it even the more because they understand 
the hard work and dedication and determination and perseverance that they had to go through this process along with myself. So this will mean the world to them because they actually get to see something come to pass that they took part in. A home here in our local community through Habitat is about $70,000. And our goal is to go ahead and complete two on property that we have already purchased over on Jesse Street. What's gonna be exciting about it is not only do we have an opportunity to donate the funding for it, but we also will be able to be hands on the ground and help contribute to the building of it beginning in March. In Nepal, so many folks are still homeless after the earthquake. We can put a family in Nepal in a small concrete cinder block home with three rooms for $3,000 and get them off the street. The number of homes that we build will be dependent on the level of generosity of this congregation. This Advent offering is an opportunity to receive nativity, to share the gift of nativity. I love Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. In nativity, God has given us a future. God has given us a hope. And we are called to go and give that future through Jesus Christ to others, to make hope a part of their lives. Now, as we celebrate the willingness of God to love us, the willingness of Jesus to rescue us, the willingness of Mary and Joseph to live into their purpose, the willingness you have to Go and share. I got to tell you that God's willingness continues despite our unwillingness. Throughout the story of Nativity, you have unwillingness. You have Herod, the king, who is unwilling to acknowledge that Jesus was God's gift. You have the unwillingness of Israel to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. You have the unwillingness of the culture to recognize that Jesus is the reason for the season. There's still a lot of unwillingness in our world today, but our God is still willing. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Our God has not given up on our unwillingness. I love 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in doing what he promised. The way some people understand slowness but God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and change their lives. Despite our unwillingness, God is willing to love us when we're unlovable. God is willing to be patient for a season. God is willing to, to go to battle with us against evil and injustice. God is willing to reveal his truth. God is willing to meet our every spiritual need. God is willing to be faithful even when we're not faithful. God is willing today to give someone the gift of salvation. Willing to give someone here the assurance of their salvation. 
willing to give someone here the promise of eternity that they doubt. Our God is willing. I love the story that John Ed Matheson tells. He tells the story of a woman who one day found a very valuable piece of jewelry. So she picked it up and put it in a bag and later she was confronted by a man who was hungry, who asked her for something to eat. When she reached into her bag for some bread, the man saw the the jewelry, the valuable jewelry. And he asked her to give him the stone, give him that jewelry. And she did as she gave him some bread. And the man went away thinking he'd received so much. He was on top of the world. But it didn't take long for him to realize that neither the bread nor the jewelry brought him happiness. So he searched until he found the woman and he wanted to return the jewelry to her. And he says, I'm returning this jewelry in hopes of getting something more valuable from you. And when the woman asked, what could that be? The man says, please give me what you have that enables you to give me that jewelry. Please give me that willingness to give. Give me that willingness to be a person that has the love of God in their heart. There are people all over that need to receive what God has given you his grace, his forgiveness. Today, as we think about these great truths about God's willingness to love us, Jesus' willingness to suffer, to rescue us, make no mistake, it was a costly gift. Don't minimize how much that gift cost. But also know this, that this gift is a free gift to you that you can receive freely the gift of God in your heart. But it must be accepted. God's given it, but you have got to accept it. And then once you accept it, it's got to be shared. It's got to be given away because that's how God rolls. (laughs) He gives so that we can give. He blesses so we can bless. He changes us so we can help change others. What a great God we serve. Amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you that today we can celebrate that you love us. You love the world. You have given your son Jesus in a cradle and on a cross. And that Jesus was willing to leave all of the splendor of eternity of heaven behind to come and be born in a manger so he could go to a cross to rescue people who were unwilling to be rescued. Father, for Mary and Joseph, who just two human beings, two ordinary people who decided to do exactly what you wanted them to do. And today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. God, we want to be those type of people. Give us the courage. Give us the faith to do exactly what you want us to do. 
And Father, when we don't get it right and we, and we, and we struggle trying, thank you for being willing to keep loving us and working with us. And Father God, I pray that you would then help us to go and share this wonderful truth with those who are searching in all the wrong places for your love. Lord God, thank you that today if we confess to you our sins, you will forgive us. If we invite you into our lives, you will come and you will change us. Father, I pray that right now that as we worship, that we will make you our king. That we will humble ourselves and receive this Jesus who came in a cradle, went to a cross, and now is seated at the right hand of honor, our king. It's in his name I pray. Amen and amen.